Before we get going into your Hockey IQ podcast episode, I want to thank our sponsor, Rapid Shot. Rapid Shot is the smart shooting lane. Uh, it's like a batting cage for hockey players. Very cool. Tracks your shot in three ways. Accuracy, shot speed, and reaction time. Uh, easy to use. Uh, actually, I used it when I played and was growing up. Very easy. Simply scan your phone in, select your settings, and start shooting. Uh, you can see your stats on the app and online. And you can check them out at rapidshot.com. Uh, great small business. I actually grew up with one of the owner's sons and have played with all the family members by now. Uh, just in local pickups here in Ohio. Very cool local business. Awesome product. I love it. I know quite a few NHLers have them in their homes. Uh, a lot of D1 programs have it at their rinks. So you have to check this out. Rapidshot.com. Check it out. Rapidshot, thank you so much for sponsoring our podcast. On the Hockey IQ podcast this week, we bring back for the first time ever someone for their second round. Mike Toplitsky is back in the house. Mike, good to have you here. Good morning. How you feeling? How you doing? Well, really well. Uh, we had an interesting conversation that we just had to record on. Um, and I've mentioned it many times on this podcast with other guests, but like how being a coach makes you a better player and that coaches for those first and eh, probably one to three years because the fiscality and the increase in hockey IQ lineup. Um, it's just amazing how that is the best hockey they play and it's out of competition, which is quite hilarious. So uh, really I'll let you drive this a little bit and maybe touch on your thoughts on, on where we should take this conversation and what even brought up this topic in the first place? Well, I think, uh, you know, I remember we had conversations at, at, at times about where we were playing beer league or where we were playing, you know, adult league, maybe on the more or less competitive side, just kind of, you know, a, a topical conversation. And I had mentioned that I was kind of seeing things better or feeling comfortable and confident in areas that I never really had had as much confidence in before. And you had brought that, that idea up to me that, you know, it, it's it common for coaches to take a step back after, after a couple of years of coaching and, you know, the, the things they're reinforcing to their, to their, their young adults kind of can, can tend to come to them on the ice in, in ways that may not have made perfect sense or, or flowed as easily previously and proven to be, very true in my case, especially recently. I just feel like I've, I've been playing, you know, the, some of the best hockey that that I've ever played because my brain's firing in that way. I really like the word you used, confidence. You have more confidence out there. Um, and it may not because, be because you're working out more and <laughs> it you know, is not a physical freak now. <laughs> so I'm curious you know, you, you're talking about the confidence and you're being able to think the game better. <laughs> Maybe give us an example of some areas that you feel like you've really grown in um, or just things that like, hey, I'm seeing this now. Um, the best way I think to to put it would be habits and progressions. So um, the, 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 the one disclaimer at the beginning that I would say um, it's easy to feel comfortable diving into different areas when you know that if you cross between the circles, you're not going to get hit. Um, you know, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face, Mike Tyson. So, you know, I, I know I can try different things in the, in the high traffic areas and in the slot that I might not have been able to do in high school because of, you know, my size or confidence in being about elbow height to everybody else. Um, Things are also relative based on, you know, who you're playing with and against. I mean, I know if I was playing against, uh, it, well, actually that kind of odd in my case, one of the best hockey games that I've played in, I can't even remember how long was the, the pickup we just had where there were a good handful of uh, guys with some pretty good hockey experience. Uh, you know, a couple of guys that had played uh, juniors in college or, uh, 
just some higher level guys. I know a couple of barons and I was pretty surprised to be able to, to hang with that group to the extent that I did, but um, kind of diving into where my head's at. Um, it, it's just gotten so much more automatic right now to think through passing progressions, high percentage of success passes uh, on the breakout. Um, you know, it, the 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 quick out is so far down the list of progressions that I'm making much smarter weak side passes um, at times recognizing that um, you know inversion of passing opportunities isn't just when entering the offensive zone sometimes in your breakout the best option is a pass negative is a pass behind um, you know that's that's one of the areas that I've, I've started to feel really really comfortable. Um, and I, I know you've seen this uh, in, in I've showed you video and you've seen it in games that we and I have played together. Um, being open means something much different to me than it used to. Um, you know, that six inches of space for my blade to be open it still means I'm open. Um, so where I might have in the past um, recognized the need to be on the back door, um, if I'm stationary, a stationary defenseman is able to keep eyes on the puck carrier and know where I am at the same time and defend me easily if we're both stationary. Um, so it's, it's become almost automatic to back out of a space and attack that space at the right time to get momentum towards where I'm going and to essentially clear out some room for me where a defenseman has to make a choice rather than I can, you know, face up the, the puck carrier and be stick on stick with me. Now you got to make the choice. Are you stick on stick with me or are you defending a pass? I've just come into your area at the last second. Um, and, those and are two of the areas is, my head's really at. Yeah. I think this is a good opportunity to, to maybe go back a step and, you know, yeah. where was your head in the past? And then we can progress a little bit more to where it is today. Cause I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, I'll even take a step, you know, step back further. Um, I've always been pretty small. I'm five, five. Now I started, you know, in high school, I was a little bit under five foot tall. So walking guys or blowing through guys, wasn't really going to be my option. I was going to score goals by being in the right place and repeating good habits. Um, I, I even remember, I mean, from, from then till now, uh, you know, watching hockey guys that watching guys in the league that, played the way I thought maybe I should be playing and that would get, you know, that would, that would show up on the score sheet points and assists the ways that I thought I would. So I used to watch guys on the, like the grind line. I used to watch Chris Draper and really follow where, where he would go. Um, big fan of Patrick Eliash and seeing how he utilized his skills to make up for that big height difference. I mean, him having to try to power through an area where Chara is, you know, that's, that's going to, be different than if Tom Wilson tries to do it. Um, you know, Dustin Brown, Boone Jenner, how are those hustle forwards? What are they doing to put themselves in the best position to be successful? So my, my views had tended to be find open space. Open space isn't necessarily always around the net um, or open space isn't necessarily beneficial. If you just happen to be where no one else is and there's no need to, know where you are because you're kind of lost you're sort of in no man's land um so for me my focus has has kind of transitioned to where is open space in the high traffic areas in the dangerous areas how do i utilize a, the those habits and that mindset of do this differently problem solve on the fly how do i get open and find open space in the slot where all the bodies are. How do I get that open stick? How do I vacate the area and come in at the right time, at the right angle to get open in an area where it's hard to be open? My mind used to be go to the net, stick down, make a wide base. That's step one, but trying to make sure that I'm not as easily defendable. You uh, had a lot of garbage goals, as they call it. Uh, back in the day, uh, I, re I remember you were just a nasty. How many, how many did those the count rank. for? How many do those count for? All they count all the same, man. 
so hard to tell high school kids, so hard to tell high school kids that a garbage goal rebound off the third shot counts the same as a, as a bar down snipe from the circle. And they don't want to hear it. We, they want to, they all want to wheel snipe Sally. And I'm like, no, dig, dig, pick up the trash, clean it up. Counts as one. Same thing. The exact same. But, but I remember, um, yeah, you would just go to the net and be around the net, just being, being a little bit of havoc and people didn't know what to do with you, uh, especially if they were taller because they're like, well, how do I push this guy out? I, I gotta like actually bend my knees for once. Like what the heck? Incredible. So it's, I thought with that one pickup game that you referenced earlier, I enjoyed how you were starting to understand the speed differentials, like being the late man versus being the first man, or just as soon as you get into the zone going towards the net or being that low option, uh, there's a great opportunity where a puck came back to you and you're able to go from uh, left to right and shoot against the grain six hole. And it was just a gorgeous, gorgeous snipe. So I'm curious how, you know, we talked about being around the net. How has your play evolved maybe through like the neutral zone or in zone entries? But kind of a continuation off of trying to find open space. It, it, I tried to simplify things a lot when I was in high school, but not put myself in, in situations where I had to think too much. Um, so it always seemed to me F1 with the puck go wide F2 with the puck back or F2 back door and F3 high slot. And the puck is now by the wall and there's a lot of space between our teammates sticks and there's a lot of space between the puck and the net. Um, so where my view has changed a bit is if I can find ways to attack towards the net rather than take the puck wide or put myself in the corner, you know, that's, that's my, my goal. Um, again, it's easier if I can, if I can skate down, you know, towards the left face off dot and then cut inside right to the middle. And I know that no one's going to take my head off. That's helpful. I know that. But um, a way that I've really tried to kind of exploit that area um, is changing my speed, my attacking speed towards the defenseman through the neutral zone and into the offensive zone. Um, make it hard to match my speed and and maintain a, a, a stable gap that the defenseman can close on their terms. I want to close the gap on my terms. So I'll alter my speed. Um, I also, and I've, I've noticed I've been getting a lot better high quality, not just shots on that, but scoring chances by skating into the zone towards a defenseman. I'll start off wide and then skate directly towards a defenseman to turn their skates towards me. So I've made them make a decision. They're going to turn their skates towards me because I'm skating right towards them. So they're giving me a little bit of extra space and now I can change direction. I can try to walk a defenseman wide by changing their skates first, not the other way around. Um, third thing I've really tried to be focused on. Um, I noticed that I would attack the zone with the puck in front of me and then at the generally around the tops of the circles, the puck would go to my, the, the, my right heel. You know, hey, everybody, he's shooting. The puck's on his right heel. It went from in front of him to his right heel. He can pretty much only shoot right now. Um, so I've tried to, without over stick handling, I don't want to chop wood. I've tried to mix up my looks of where I'm carrying the puck. So alternating between having the puck kind of off the front of my right toe in sort of a triple threat situation where I can pass, I can continue to skate or I could put my hands out in front of me and use kind of downward leverage on the puck to get off a quick wrist shot, wrist or snapshot. That's kind of a triple threat situation for me rather than having the puck back at my feet where my, my only option is either to shoot or just to slow down. So I don't lose the puck. Um, it's different habits. I mean, it's taken time and it's, it's sometimes it doesn't look super pretty, but trying to challenge myself and, and utilize those, those habits that I try to instill in players um, in my own game against guys that are bigger than me and faster than me. 
And I, I use something similar. Um, so I, I joined a new pickup on Wednesday mornings uh, when I moved to Columbus. And uh, at first, I was like, man, you got some good hands. I'm like, here, I'll, I'll tell you the secret. If I'm stick handling in front of me, I'm pretty much wanting you to, to come at me. And I'm going to pull that sucker back. If it's at my side, now you should probably be worried that I'm about to make a pass. It's both are good habits to have where you can stick handle in front of you and to your side, but it's how you use it in manipulation that I find the fascinating and something that isn't utilized enough. Like why do you stick handle in front of you when she put it to the side? Like, I think that is conversation that players should be having with themselves or with their parents and just like talking through that because it is something that should be done. Like you want to have an element of manipulation, an element of deception, when, where, why, how, like those are the, the keys for me when we're talking about how do we utilize stick handling as a skill? Like you, you were talking about skating, right? Like skating fast is an asset, but how do we weaponize that asset? Okay. And you're, situation and should be in every player situation should be the change of speed. And when we're talking about speed differentials, it's the difference of your speed to the defenders. So either you're speeding up while they're slowing down or they're slowing down while you're speeding up, you know, catching a defender flat foot flat footed would be a perfect example of a positive speed differential where you've got so much speed and you're able to blow by them. Well, that's great. And a lot of players, especially if they're good skate skaters early have that, and they have success with that, and then they just keep going back to the well, but other kids start to catch up or they get pushed to a higher level of hockey where that's not exactly – you can just go at a player, skate as fast as you can, and have that be a reliable source of offense. So how do we weaponize that? Maybe we need to be slowing down. Or you know, when do we want to slow down, draw a player in, and then we accelerate and use that speed and really weaponize it? I, I think that is something – those are two key elements, one with your hands, one with your feet that every player can utilize in some capacity, uh, no matter your skill level. Particularly from the mindset of someone who's primarily coached Bantam in high school. I see that. I've seen that a lot where someone's been kind of identified as really good in mites or squirts and in an effort to win games, everybody pretty much, you know, you get the puck to Johnny and, and you kind of clear out and Johnny can go coast to coast in, in, in squirt and peewee and Bantam. And then Johnny gets to high school and he's 14 and guys on the other side are 18. And the first time Johnny gets yard sailed, Johnny's freaked out because his main skill set, someone's figured it out and he's kind of neutralized and going, well, I've never really had to problem solve with this situation because it's, it's never, it's never come up. Um, gift or a curse, I guess I've never had that problem where I had to figure out, well, I, I can no longer walk everybody. So what do I do now? Um, but a, a, a place that I've, I keep saying problem solve because it's like football plays that you can just like, let's repeat this 500 times. So it looks the same every time because there's, 10 variables that are going to happen on the ice at any given time. So problem solving on the fly is really going to be important. Um, I know my own comfort has tended to be puck out in front of me, pull the puck back to my, my right heel. And with as much forward weight transfer as I can shoot from my heel. If I do that every time down the ice, Everybody on the ice, everybody in the stands, live barn, everybody knows I'm going to shoot when the puck goes back to my, goes back to my heel. Um, I also know that I'm, I'm comfortable shooting with my left arm close to my body, which that hurts the ability to get a good forward transfer. If my hands are that close to my body, don't have a good range of motion, not a lot of forward transfer. So I really try to be cognizant and work on every time that I'm not in game and I have a puck on my stick, working on shooting with my hands farther from my core, with my hands out in front of me. Um, 
shooting from different positions, you know, getting good stick on puck from different positions, not just the puck on my heel, puck on my right toe, um, you know, quicker, quicker, more unpredictable release, or where can I move the puck, you know, kind of a, a, a back to front toe drag. What can I do from the position where the puck's on my heel that isn't a shot where those two motions are going to look similar? Is a shot coming? Is a toe drag coming? Is the puck just going right back up to the, you know, to my, to my toes? What does that look like? Um, again, sometimes it doesn't look pretty, but, you know, I know I'm not growing if every time I get the puck, I, you know, haul ass as fast as I can with the puck in front of me, pull it back to my heel and shoot. Can't look the same every time. Well, I think that touches on the iceberg of playing with expectations. Like one of my favorite plays in the NHL is just a simple like fake dump and then just skate it across the line. Like you have the motion, the body language, the body shape, everything says, hey, I'm about to rip this puck in and rim it around. And then just the last second, oh, nope, not going to do it. Like that's that's a simple example. And there's a million others of like, there's so many patterns in the game that happen. How can you play off of what people are expecting on that? Like sooner or later you do something, you know, two, three times. Okay. Well now people are expecting the same thing. And then suddenly boom, right-hand turn. It's kind of like the movie, the prestige. Um, I forget what the three elements are off the top of my head, but basically like show an expectation turn it and then boom you're revealing the you know the magic that is so like i think that's a fascinating conversation to have um and, and you're a lifelong learner um you were a teacher for many years like you're a very good question asker so feel free to jump in and ask any questions here um and we can make this a little more conversational um, sure curious maybe um your thoughts on it or your questions around like playing with expectation it's interesting when it comes to playing at this point i mean i still want to win but obviously like the 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 goals are you know it's playing to have fun and playing to improve and exercise and be you know you know emotionally fulfilled and, and mentally fulfilled by what i'm doing so not so much, you know, if we lose, I'm coming home, you know, devastated. But my goal is to see in myself more of that. Let's say I come home and, and I, I scored, you know, two goals off of rebounds. So, you know, okay, what did I learn from that? Right. Or I, I, I had a, you know, had, had a, a pretty rough game. So, well, you know. Where did I step outside my comfort zone? What is something that I did differently or an opportunity that I saw to try to build on a habit or take advantage of something? Um, something that, I, that I've noticed a, a whole bunch. I've, I've been trying to watch a ton of Capitals games because I want to see how teams react and generally overreact to Ovi. So you know that pass from Backstrom from the top of the, you know, right at the blue center blue line to the top of the left circle, especially on the power play, you know, that's a one-timer. Everyone knows that's a one-timer. It's a 105 mile an hour slap shot. When it's not, and he winds up like a golf driver, stops right at the point of the ice and fires one looking like it's going to be a slap shot as hard as he can on the ice, right on Oshie's stick three inches from the back post for an easy tap in goal. It, that's, that's the biggest middle finger to whatever team they're playing that. Yeah, I can do that too. I mean, you know, you think, you know, what's coming because I've done it 275 times, you know, whoop, right through. So those, obviously that's not where I live in hockey right now, but you know, eyeing opportunities to make things look different. And that's when I feel like I'm growing. My expectation on myself of myself is, am I growing and, you know, finding other opportunities to exploit 
the, you know, how many situations are there? How many moments are there in a hockey game? 500 moments. The team that wins most of those moments, they're going to win the game. How can I win more and more of those moments? How can I build on good habits and, and uh, kind of utilize, you know, tactics that I've discussed with, with players, with you, with other coaches to try to win more and more of those small moments. And that's a fascinating conversation as well, because you're getting into the process. Like, am I one, I feel like it's gotta be better from a fulfillment standpoint. Like who doesn't love getting better and feeling, Oh, I've got this new capacity. Like that's gotta be fun first. And then secondly, just the idea of these micro events rather than the macro events, which are the goals, uh, the big scoring chances, whatever it may be. And they only come around uh, you know, per player, you know, a normal player probably gets one or two um, top liners are probably getting maybe three or four. And then those top end players maybe get five or six. So like, especially for those top guys that maybe go to be those middle guys at the next level where you're going from five or six grade A chances every game to maybe one to four. And now you've got to make the most of that. Like that's a confidence hit because you're used to like, Oh, I'm going to get, just get another chance. Like it's not that hard. Well, now you've got to go to the point where you're not getting as much. Like, how do you define success? Like it's it goals and points. Is it, I got more chances. I turn the puck over less. Like, you know, going from goal oriented, which is goals, assists, points, yada, 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 to more of that process. I think that's a fascinating conversation because there's, I don't know if it's 5,000, that might be a bit high, but I would say at least, you know, uh, probably 500 passes or 500 like little micro situations that you can analyze in your own head per game that lead to those things but those things aren't guaranteed. It's like the same thing with hard work, like hard work just sets you up for success. It doesn't guarantee success. Doesn't mean you're going to have success, but it puts the odds a lot more in your favor. And that's really what we want as hockey players is the shift from maybe something where we're going 40% success rate to a 60% success rate or 60 to 80, uh, anything over 80, it's probably time to go to the next level. Um, unless you're Connor McDavid and there's just no further level to go to, but like, those micro events and just increasing how good we are at those and those little details and the habits that go into it. Like that is just so powerful um, for, for hockey players for life, like understanding the process that goes into getting results and understanding it's not guaranteed, but now you're understanding maybe the, the law of large numbers reversion to the mean, just whatever that element is to understand where you should be. Like maybe, you know, I'm scoring at a 20% shooting rate, probably not going to continue. Don't get discouraged when it does. As long as you're still getting the chances, you've got a good process. You're having good success in all these little micro situations. It's just a different way to think about the game. And I'm curious what your experience has been maybe going from that, where I'm looking to get rebound goals and get to the net. And if I'm putting my puck on the stick, having the puck on my stick this amount of times and getting these many shoved around the net or whatever it may be to then going to these micro events is kind of your barometer. Um, and maybe and I'm assuming you're not looking at other players statistics. You're just worried about how is my performance? I mean, right now my barometer is myself today versus myself last week. I, I'm, I'm not trying to compare I mean, I, I, I can only play against who's, who's on the other team. So I'm not, you know, comparing myself right now to others. I, I probably would be doing that back in high school or, you know, back when there's, you know, very like stringent, like, like, like when there's standings and when there were keeping a, a ton of stats and all that. I mean, it was hard for me not to want to compare myself to everyone else, but right now the the challenge that I'm giving my, myself and particularly my mind is, if I change my focus to trying to really build on these good habits and trying to figure out new ways to win more of those micro events, more of those micro battles, the result probably won't be less goals and less assists. Those two things 
I, I would think would be pretty directly proportional that the, 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 the more often you put yourself in positive situations, you know, in, in, uh, the more often I get significantly lower than the defenseman when I'm being very active in the high and low slot, that's unlikely to result in less goals and less assists. So instead of the, the be all end all being I've scored, you know, I scored more goals or I didn't score more goals and that's either success or failure. That'll come, but it's those other, you know, it, it's, it's the other aspects of it. The, you know, am I making, because I'm going through the correct progressions in my head, am I making less, you know, costly turnovers? We're all going to make turnovers, but am I making less costly turnovers? Am I, am I, you know, am I getting myself trapped in a corner less often? Um, it, it's, it's, it's funny that I was just thinking about, this, you know, in, in the slot, I remember watching when I was first coaching with, uh, with your dad, I remember it, it, it chagrin watching video of Crosby getting, you know, going down to one knee to, to put pucks home in the slot and thinking, well, I, I would fall on my, I would, I would do the splits and end up in the hospital if I'm trying to get down to one knee for all those shots. And now routinely I'm as low as I can get. And you, I guarantee you defenseman, you can't get lower than me. If you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to have to push me onto the ground to take me out of the play. Cause I'm lower than you. Um, maybe not to the full extent of that kid that uh, in that video you sent me from the Rochester Americans, the kid who's literally down on both knees with his hands six inches from the blade. Yeah. Playing mini sticks. Yeah. He's playing mini sticks the whole way. But I mean, that that's kind of a lot of times how I play in front is I'm, you know, I'm that's some might repeat, get lower than them, get lower than them, get lower than them. When I'm coming out of our zone, if I have the puck behind the net, if I skate out into the corner, I box myself in the only options now I have are to pass. I'm defended whatever direction I, I decide to skate. I'm, I'm easily defendable. And my best pass is now a very far cross ice weak side pass. If I split the split, the goal line between the, the net and the in re- the faceoff dot. Now I've got more options. You know, I I've, I've won that event by not allowing myself to be forced into a turnover. That's one more event that I've won and it's better for my team. So I know that was a lot of information right there, but you know, that's kind of the, the inner monologue that happens when I'm on the ice. And I I really love that term. It wasn't so much like having to win the battle, but as long as you're keeping your options open, that you can make decisions, like not getting boxed into a spot. Like, do you find yourself, like I think about players that consistently go down the wall and they consistently get themselves boxed out. And there's literally all you can do is ice the puck or put it in deep. And there's nothing else you can do. Like simply getting in the dot line is a massive improvement for them. And like finding different ways to keep open the optionality and the decisions that you can possibly make is just massive. Like simply just going from, okay, I'm consistently boxed out and I have nothing left here except for one option versus okay at least i have two or three options at all times may not be the most comfortable at first but you do have those options available to you and it just opens up the game and opens up the possibilities for play which the transition's probably not going to happen overnight cuz you're not used to those reads yet but after a little bit it's going to be something that absolutely transforms your game and i'm curious maybe you found that I I know in my game like just simply getting off the wall and if all else is equal like I'm going across the ice almost from like one dot line to the other dot line and just seeing what happens like just trying to buy time to see if a play evolves or happens or the teammates able to skate up with me maybe they're late in the play and I just need to buy a little bit of time and for me it's like every defender has this little bubble around them of like, this is my ice. This is my responsibility, um, which, which is definitely a care characteristic trait. Like great defensemen have is like this responsibility. And I, it's probably why a lot of them uh, become A's and C's, uh, you know, part of the leadership group. So they have that leadership, like almost like motherly and fatherly to them. 
So what I'm thinking about coming and playing against opponents, it's like every opponent has their circle. Some are smaller, some are bigger that, Hey, this is my ice. This is my coverage. And like, how can I be on the very edge of that or just in it or just out of it to put it in an awkward situation? Like, I know you want to come stick check me, but I'm a little bit too far than you're comfortable with, you know, or how do I go just inside of it where they can't quite get me, but they're going to come wherever I go. And I'm able to really move them, you know, move the pieces around the chessboard, as they say, and move them over into a space. So maybe I create a one on two where I'm going one against two, move that other defenseman where I go in their spot in that little bit of like soft circle slide over to where the other defenseman feels like, Oh, this is my guy as well. Now I've got two guys and I can just filter a nice little area pass into a teammate with speed coming into that now vacated spot that I move that defender from. Like for me, that's what I'm trying to do and how I'm trying to create this optionality um, and trying to manipulate the defenders, like just understanding that every defenseman feels a responsibility for a certain area. Like the ones that are a little bit smaller. Okay. Now you've got more room to operate in a little harder to manipulate, but usually those guys are not going to be able to gap up as well. So that's, that's what goes through my mind when I'm thinking about rush optionality. How do I control? How do I manipulate? I, I love that, that you use the phrase manipulate. And, and I, I know that's something you and I have discussed in the past. What I've noticed for, from my game, when I consciously go into, when I'm attacking the zone, those thought processes of, what do I want to make the defenseman do? How do I want to attack the zone or attack the defenseman? Do I want to go towards skate right at a defenseman or try to take defense? When I'm consciously thinking about manipulating the defenseman, the game seems to be, the game slows down to me where I'm, I'm more easily able to see what passing options I have or what attacking options I have when I'm the one manipulating the defenseman, not the other way around where I'm not reacting to the defenseman's attacking. I'm going to, you know, attacking towards me with a stick. I'm going to move the puck towards me and slow down. I'm the one making the, you know, I'm, I'm the one forcing the decision on his part. And when that really, you know, started to, you know, kind of come out um, when, when we played that pickup game, I know that I keep making reference to that. When I saw who was on the ice on the other team, um, and just the, the, the much faster speed of that game than what I'm used to playing in right now, I was thinking this game's going to come really fast at me. And it's, it, it seems slow. The game slowed down because I am more consciously aware of what I'm attempting to do. And all right, progression one, progression two, progression three, that's the pass I want to make progression one, progression two, that's where I want to attack. You know, I, I, I noticed and then I'll, I'll I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but um, there's a, a shift where uh, I know you and uh, your brother were both on the other side and I was playing uh, D just randomly on that shift. And I saw the puck shift really fast. I was the right D and I saw the pass shift or the puck shift very fast from the, my side half wall around the net into the opposite corner and the forward on my side shot way too far past the slot and right when i saw that that's when i i you know i stick tapped hard and i skated very very hard at a 45 degree angle on the top of the slot to take a pass and i think that's when that that six hole goal was that you were talking about like right when i saw that puck change ice and saw that forward turn his back i'm thinking there's open space right there that I want to attack. Not yet, not yet, now. And I was able to get the puck in stride because I, I was consciously aware. The game slowed down for me. Well, that's a fascinating concept as well, of like playing in the shadows, like behind someone. Like their body orientation does not allow them to truly see what's going on, whether they can't see it physically or it's – they can't see it even with a good shoulder check. Like that's absolutely massive. And like playing in that shadow area. And like, it's a good way 
where you're playing outside of the defensive shape or you're playing behind someone like the, like a guy who's playing bumper on a power play, you know, playing behind someone uh, to create like a mini two on one and playing in that shadow area where they can't really see it or they can't really gauge exactly what's going on. And unless like a defender puts a stick or a hand on that player, like it's just impossible to truly understand. And then you can start to give off false information. Like maybe I start sneaking this way. And as soon as they turn their head, boom, go in the other direction and just playing in those shadows and how you can feed false information into players to turn it into your advantage. I think for me, there are parts of that that take time and confidence. Like, for instance, if, I, if I'm ever playing D, like let's say, you know, I'm the, I'm the strong side D and the forward's way too high up right in my pocket. I know that in that case, I'm coaching my, you know, at times I've coached my defenseman. If that forward's going to be right in your pocket, gauge how strong a forward they are. But if they're not a huge offensive, you know, breakaway threat, front the forward, jump in front. Now you've taken that forward out of the play. You know, they're, they're, they're essentially a cherry picker at that point and getting the confidence to do that more often. And even then still jump in at 45 degree angles to be an offensive opportunity, you know, an, an offensive asset as a defenseman while still being cognizant, you know, counting that clock and I get the puck one, two, three. Okay. I've shot, I've passed, I've done whatever. Now get back, continue to front that forward, but not, you know, giving up on my defensive zone responsibilities. Stuff like that, where as I do it and as I do it, I get more and more comfortable with it. And it's, you know, kind of goes back to those, those small, you know, those small 500 things that happen in a game. Did I just create a five on four in our zone? Yes. One more one more little win for us. Death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, and actually I had a really interesting experience this past week. Um, my coworker uh, heritage wise is, is Canadian. So he picked up hockey late in life. So he's playing D league down here. And after the season's over, you can secure rental license, just have shinny or practice or whatever you want to do. So his team did that. Um, and he asked me to come out and, and coach. So I'm coaching all of these guys from, oh man, they got to be 60. Some are down into their thirties. Uh, maybe one kid is, is in their twenties, but like wide age range, uh, not the most talented, not the most skilled and like seeing how they are, like what are the deficiencies in their game? Um, it's very fascinating because like, they're not even thinking about this kind of stuff. Like, how do I take a better slap shot? How do I take a better X, Y, and Z? And like, just like simple things, like a good body shape. Like you were talking about weight transfer earlier. Like that's just a foreign concept. Like never heard of it. Um, but one of the things you're, you're was, not, you're not working hard on, on getting guys feeling comfortable using their outside edges. Uh, it's exactly not, what I'm doing. A lot of crossovers. <laughs> A lot of crossovers. There, there was one player really struggled with even being able to do a crossover, which it's fine. I, I enjoy terrible hockey as much as the next person because it's an enjoyment of the game. You're still playing. You're still being active. Like you're providing fulfillment to your life. Like it doesn't always have to be the highest level possible. Like the, the older I get, and I was actually talking with um, someone who I is currently in the NCAA and will be a head coach of a program someday. And like he was talking about like, you know, I really didn't think much of these, these levels of hockey, but the older I get, the more I appreciate just like people are having fun, getting enjoyment out of it. And I think that's absolutely massive as well. Um, and I really lost my train of thought, but I was really fascinated by this experience on Tuesday of how so many different people can have so many different backgrounds and depth of knowledge and like how as coaches or how as players can we increase that depth of knowledge where we're able to do exactly what we've been talking about today is start to like think through the game and it doesn't have to be I need to think through every single thing of every single play but at least have an element or two in your mind that you can start to read the cues and be able to have 
more enjoyment out of the game because you can actually see the game. Like it's not just happening so fast and you're like, I have no idea what the heck's going on out here. Like, it's just like, that's not fun. Like there's a lot more enjoyment once you start to understand some of the intricacies, a little bit more of the details of like, Oh, that was like really interesting. Wasn't a ton of goal scoring in this game, but man, did you see this and that the other, like, that's fun. We, you and I, I think talked relatively recently about um, the, the league that I've been playing in is it kind of varies between sort of say BCD and there's maybe a couple B's, but they're pretty heavy on C and D and um, a, a buddy of mine who I, I got into playing hockey. I, I got him into playing hockey when we were in college um, and he's been that mindset for a long time of I want to touch the puck more. I want to get more shots. I want to figure out where to be in, in, you know, in the right place more often. And uh, we had a game where he took a loose puck kind of at the blue line wall, skated all the way around down below the goal line. And I saw him use his off hand to, uh, to fend off a defender and kind of made a like kind of a one hand one and a half hand backhand pass into the slot for uh, to me for a one timer and the conversation him and I had after he was like you know holy whatever i i'm i'm seeing plays like there's strategy to what i'm doing it's not so much just whack a mole with the puck and try to get the puck on my stick near the net I realized what I wanted to do and I carried out multiple steps, multiple variables in making that happen and seeing that and seeing people that just guys light up their faces light up. And they're like, I made a play. Like I, I had a very strong impact on the game because of a play I made more so even than just someone passed it to me and I shot it and scored because the net was open. Like I play me and seeing guys develop from maybe that I played with for a handful of years that just started skating to now, you know, going through those mind progressions. Yeah. And you sent that clip over to me and then I, I immediately had to text him about how excited I was for him. So you text it back. And I, I think uh, this is a fascinating, like just the text that he sent back, I thought was just great. He's like, thanks dude. So fun. Still getting better every day, but so much fun to play with a plan and a vision and parentheses put, even if I half the time can't execute, Versus just being out there and skating around, like just even having the ability to see it a little bit better itself brings more enjoyment as you're playing the game. Like I thought that was so cool. And I was really happy to see that he was enjoying playing more by just being able to see, think through these situations a little bit better. And I think that's really the enlightening conversation we're having about uh, all of these topics is just like being able to see the game makes it more fun to play and you've got more goals and you're having more enjoyment. And again, I, I think it comes back to not just hockey, but life having more fulfillment when you have purpose in what you're doing and trying to understand the details and ask questions. So you can start to see these things, whether that be life, hockey, etc., and having just fun with it. Like I have so much more fun now playing than I did back then because I get just, do it with my buddies, uh, think through the game, try something new and it doesn't work out. Like, okay, it's men's league, like eh, whatever. And, and that's actually something we did very early on when I started coaching with Matt cook or cookie out at the university of Akron is we started a men's league team with our alumni. So now we were filtering in our actual college team with our alumni, one great networking two it's exactly what you said. You don't have to worry about getting your head taken off. You can try things um, and the development from the players that it's not just the ice time, but the ice time is nice and getting more ice, like the mental capacity and how players play the game. The development is unbelievably more rapid because they're playing adult league compared to the competitive stuff where there are real consequences, physically scoreboard, et cetera. Um, and, and it's a lot of a burnout. If, you're not having success. Meanwhile, adult league, you're having fun with the alumni. You're growing your game. You can make decisions. You can make mistakes. You're getting that peer mentorship a little bit and being able to see the game uh, start to open up for these kids. It's just so, so cool. 
getting goosebumps thinking about that. I mean, that, that sounds like that. Some of my best memories looking back, you know, from coaching Bantam high school are seeing, I mean, going back to what we talked about in the last, the last time I was with you on the podcast, seeing kids having a blast, seeing them love hockey as much as I love hockey. Like when they're, they're having fun. I, one of the last practices with the high school team that I was with, I told everybody, you know, I, I want everyone to come in for the next practice. We're going to, we're going to end up splitting in half a good bit of the practice. Come in wearing your favorite, ho- your favorite team's hockey jersey, your favorite player's hockey jersey. And I mean, guys showed up in jerseys from every team and we broke up into lights and darks looking like the all-star game. And I mean, guys were, were, you know, trying everything and, you know, Hey, watch my Datsuk move, watch my Kucherov move wearing the jerseys. And I was like, this is a much needed distraction from the COVID life that these kids are going through right now. And sometimes it's that, I mean, sometimes it's, you know, Sometimes it, sometimes that's what hockey is. I think that is the uh, perfect way to end this episode of the hockey IQ podcast. So Mike, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to come on and talk on this. I think this is a fascinating conversation and a lot of people get a lot of enjoyment uh, and enlightenment out of this conversation and hopefully you can and take this and, and share it with uh, teammates, fellow parents, coaches, et cetera. Cause I think it's something that has yet to be talked about. I definitely haven't seen it out there um, on many different levels. So thanks again, Mike, this was awesome. I love doing it. Thanks for having me anytime. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. So Before we let you go, though, we'd like to remind you to please like our podcast, subscribe to it, give us a follow, uh, and share this with all the hockey people in your life. We really appreciate uh, growing this community, this podcast. Um, Remember, we also have a newsletter, the Hockey IQ newsletter as well. Really excited to continue to grow this. So please help us grow this further by liking, subscribing, following, and sharing uh, with everyone. So. Appreciate you all. Take care. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch you Buttes here next week for a brand new episode.